0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for
1: the but here he is, here's Jesus, no longer the baby, no longer on the cross, no longer in a tomb, seated at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for you and I, just raring to go, to come back and to rescue his church. Amazing, the greatest gift that keeps on giving. And it will forever keep on giving. From here throughout all of eternity, Jesus as the greatest gift will remain the greatest gift for you and I, forever and ever.
0: Jesus Christ is the perfect eternal gift and blessing. In today's message from Pastor James, he turns your attention to the incredible friend that you have in Jesus. Jesus entered this world as a gift and continues to be a gift for eternity. Pastor James encourages you to reflect on the amazing Savior that you have in Jesus. Thank the Lord for sending His Son that understands what it's like to be human. Thank the Lord for sending you, and the rest of the world, a Savior and a friend. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 2. As Pastor James continues his message, The Perfect Gift.
1: wrapped him snugly in, in strips of, of cloth, right? She swaddled him. And so the, the idea behind that is, um, I, ju- I read this, it's just a little side note, but sometimes they would wrap them up pretty tightly, swaddle them, to help kind of keep their limbs straight when they grow. I was like, oh, that's fascinating. But so they, they wrapped him up real tight in strips of cloth, which um, kind of mirrors the end of his life when he was wrapped up pretty tightly in strips of cloth and laid not in a manger, but in a tomb. Probably somewhat very close, similarly to the cave in which he was born. It's fascinating, right? Lying in a manger. Not a wooden manger. So get that image out of your brain as well. If you have these things, don't you're not like being, you know, sacrilegious or anything like that. Or if you have like in your brain, like I've always envisioned her riding on a donkey. You're not wrong for that. But that's just how we kind of we we visualize some of this stuff. It wasn't a wooden manger, it was a stone manger because that's how all their their feeding troughs were made out of stone. So there he is, baby Jesus. We don't know how much he weighed, but let's say he weighed anywhere from seven to eight pounds. King of kings, Lord of lords, wrapped in swaddling cloths, born to this super poor couple, and laid in a manger, probably in close proximity to some barn animals. Amazing. And this is how God chose to do it. And we would have never planned this. We would have never planned this out this way. We would have never done that. We would have messed up the timing if we had control over it. We would have messed up the timing. Um, we certainly would have messed up the location because, like, it's baby Jesus. He needs to be born in UTMB, like, with a suite and all this good stuff and all that. That's what we would want to—that's what we would have done, Right? But it's not about us and it's not about our plans and what we think is right and what we think is best and all that stuff and when we think it's right. It's not about that. It's about his timing, his plan, and he shows up when he's supposed to show up. And he comes into this world as humble as can be. But the story is so beautiful. I hope you could walk away looking at Luke chapter 2 as like, this is one of the most beautiful stories that has ever been recorded in human history, because it is. I, I don't get mad at innkeepers who have no room. It's not, that's not their fault. That's not their fault. So sometimes people get mad at whoever that person was. It's not their fault. <laughs> it's not their fault. That's not how God had it set up. And here it is. It's just beautiful. And, it, and it's just getting laid out there just like, man, here you go. The other parallel I do want to point out to you guys while I still have a little bit of time. Let's say Mary's 14 to 16 when Jesus comes into this world. That puts Mary at about 44 or 46 when she sees him die on the cross. Have you ever thought about that? I don't know why, but in my brain, I always envision her as being much older. But no, she only would have been mid-40s when she watched her first, her baby boy die on a cross. That kind of changes your perspective a little bit, huh? That hit me as I was studying. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. Because I watched, you watch the movies and they always portray her as like this old lady and you're, that's not who she was. That's not who she was. The journey of Mary through the life of Jesus is a fascinating one. She is, um, she is a blessed woman. Make no make no mistake about it. She is absolutely blessed, highly favored. She is not um, she is not on the same level as God the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. Please know that. She's just not. She's a she's a human being like us. God just picked her to bring Jesus into the world. That's special. I don't care. I don't care who you are. You got, I mean, I got no problems with Mary. That's that's a what a what a lottery to win, right? Like that's amazing. But it it doesn't make her any more holy than you or I. And we don't pray to her. In fact, she would, if she were around, and she's not, she's in heaven worshiping Jesus, who, yeah, was her son. But bigger than that, he was her savior. Because she needed Jesus just as much as you and I need Jesus. So we don't pray to her. So I know that sometimes that we, we feel like we need to and say your Hail Marys and all that stuff. It's not necessary. And I want to say that with, um, with com- kindness and compassion. It, it's not necessary. Because Mary can't do anything for you. And in fact, the, the Bible tells us that we have one intercessor. We don't need the saints. Praise God for saints, Praise God for men and women who are faithful to Jesus and were used by God to do amazing and incredible things and dedicated their lives to serving him. Praise God for saints. We have one mediator. We have one intercessor, and his name is Jesus. He's the only one you need to go to. She's a special lady, though. She absolutely is special. Absolutely. She is one that I would really look forward to meeting one day in heaven. I mean, props to her, man. And that's a, that's a big deal. That's a, I mean, to, to be the one selected to bring in God to this earth. And then I don't think we, and that's why I say, if you have the time, read through the Gospels and study through the life of Mary to fully understand what it was like to be her and all that she had to go through, because we think it's easy. We think it was probably easy. What a gig, right? She was the mother of Jesus. It wasn't easy. Imagine being in her shoes and all the stuff. I can tell you, man, that those rumors about her and Joseph followed her the rest of her life. Amazing, amazing. These two kids and all that good stuff. And let's get into the last part of this, this little story here. I want to talk about these shepherds. It says that night, where uh, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "Don't be afraid." Most common command in the Bible: "Don't be afraid." Do not be afraid. Most common command in the Bible for a reason. For a reason. Okay. It's also the one that I break the most. If I'm honest, if there's a command that I break the most, it's this one where I'm like, oh, I'm afraid. And the Lord's like, well, don't be afraid. I'm like, well, well, but I'm afraid. And yeah, you, know, you go through the cycle, right? We hear the shepherds, the angel tells them, don't be afraid. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. What a pronouncement. What, a, what, a, what an announcement. Man, That's and here are these shepherds, the lowest on the totem pole, right? They're out in the fields. Now, where they're at probably speaks to the fact that these are the shepherds overseeing these sacrificial lambs. And it's fascinating that the angel shows up to the shepherds who take care of all the sheep and the lambs who are being raised to be sacrifices. And the angel pronounces to them first, hey, the ultimate sacrifice has just shown up. And in fact, he's right here. It says, verse 12, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So, well, now you kind of understand, number one, Mary was being a good mom, but you kind of understand, too, like, she's being led by the Lord to do these things. She wraps Jesus up in, in the swaddling cloth. She places him in a manger, and the angel uses that as a sign for the shepherds. See how it just just all kind of fits in and makes sense. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Remember the, the Pax Romana, that was false peace, false security. Here now is the Prince of Peace. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, you think we should go to Bethlehem? <laughs> right? No. Yeah. They're like, let's go. Let's go. Let's get to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I, this is where I love the New Living Translation. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. The, the word there, found, meant they searched out. They were diligently searching out Jesus. There's probably something within that for you and I, an application point. Diligently searching out for Jesus. Now, you don't find him. He finds you. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. But should you pursue Jesus? And oh, absolutely. Read the Bible. Pray. Do all that good stuff. But they found Joseph and Mary. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them, uh, about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She she tucked those away. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. This is what's so beautiful. I love these parallels of like Jesus showing up on earth and then Jesus' death burial, and resurrection, and then ascending back to heaven. Because what Jesus told his disciples is exactly what these shepherds did. They they came, and they saw him, and then they went and told people about him. See, in the end of the Gospels, when Jesus did the grave, the tomb was empty, the word to the disciples was, come and see, now go and tell. Come and see. Come and see that he defeated death. He's gone. He resurrected. He resurrected. He won. The story's over. Like, that's it. Like, no, we're waiting for him to return. But come and see and go and tell. That's what these shepherds did. They went. They received the word. They saw the baby. They saw the child. They rejoiced. They praised God. They worshiped God for what he, had, for what he has done. And then they went and told other people, Here's my question, because we have no account of this. Did anybody else show up? That would be my question. Because the shepherds went and told people, and they were, like, amazed, and they were astonished. Like, really, angels, a choir from heaven. They were singing a song. That's amazing. That's what an experience you had. That's awesome. And I got to get back to work. I I got a family in town for the census, And I got to get back to work. We have no record of anybody else. I'm not saying that they didn't, but I am saying that Luke, who's very detail-oriented in his writings, there's, there's only mention of the shepherd showing up and you're like, well, what about the three wise men? Well, number one, we don't know if it was three wise men. There's probably more than just three of the dudes, okay? They come later, like much later, okay? Baby Jesus... It's there in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling cloths in a manger, and we know shepherds came and saw him, and they rejoiced, and they praised God, and they went and told other people. But did any of those other people seek out Jesus? We have no record of that at all. No record of that at all. I just find it fascinating. I find that fascinating. Maybe they did. Maybe the people whose house was right next to there was like, oh, let's go check out this baby. Oh, We love babies. I'm going to hold that baby, right? Like, yeah, everybody loves holding babies, I think, right? If you don't, okay, don't, then don't work in children's ministry, okay? That's one indication you're not called to that ministry, okay? Like, oh, I can't stand babies. Well, please, stay away from our kids. Um, you, I don't know where you need to work, but maybe it's outside somewhere, okay? I don't know, but just, here's the baby Jesus, and here's these two kids. They're all alone. The last part of this, this story, we're not covering this whole chapter, but this is just the last part of this. I do want to mention these last, our last two characters here, Simon and, and Anna. It says, uh, so they went away rejoicing. Now, there is a, because Jesus was born, he's, he's born into the law, there are certain things that need to take place, okay, concerning the law. I think it's Leviticus, yeah, Leviticus chapter 12 and then Exodus chapter thirteen, you know, dedicating your firstborn—that's Exodus chapter thirteen, dedicating your firstborn to God. That's that's what that was what was established in Exodus. Leviticus chapter two or chapter twelve talks about the purification. So if a woman gives birth to a to a male child, there's a certain amount of time that um, that she's unclean, and that the child, you know, you got to wait for these certain amount of days. Now it's different for if it's a girl, okay. If you got questions about all that stuff, I don't know. I don't have time today. And we'll, it'll be a while before we're in the book of Leviticus, OK? We'll, we'll go through that eventually, but it's, it's down the road a little bit. But so here's the thing. Verse 21, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, because that was part of the procedure, he was named Jesus. So the baby is named after the circumcision. That's how it is. Customarily, that's the way that they did this thing, these things. Jesus, meaning Jehovah is salvation is the name given uh, him by the angel even before he was conceived, right? We know that from um, the angel that was showing up for uh, Mary and Joseph. Um, But they were already given the heads up of like, look, you can have a baby. His name is going to be Jesus, okay? So it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem—remember, it's not that far away— to present him to the Lord, honoring Exodus chapter 13— the law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Just so you know, that's an offering for poor people because what the proper offering would have been a lamb. They couldn't afford a lamb. The best they could do were two pigeons. And they would probably scrape him by just to get that. And here is the family that Jesus was born into. Now, the two, the two couples... Or they're not a couple, but the two individuals, Simon and Anna. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named uh, Simon. I think I'm saying it right, Simon. If it's Simeon, my bad. Okay, but I'm just going to call him Simon. Okay, Uh, he was righteous and devout, and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and, he, and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he had been given a word from the Holy Spirit, of like, look, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Pretty cool. So it says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. This is a Spirit-filled, controlled man, OK? He's in tune with the Spirit because the Spirit's like, hey, get up and go to the temple. Today's the day. Today's the day. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, he was there. Simon was there. He took the child in his arms, praising God, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, plural, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. What a, man, what a moment for, for this dude. And he's like, I'm good. Take me home. Like, I'm done. Like, I've been, he'd been waiting who knows how long for that one moment. And, and there's baby Jesus. And what's funny is it's, it's him and it's a prophetess, Anna. They're the only two who get it. They're the only, them and some shepherds. You got some wise men from the east. Now, they're probably on their way to find Jesus at this point in time. But the nation of Israel, who's been waiting for their Messiah, where are they at? Because here he is in their midst, in the temple, being presented. And everybody's like, it's just another baby. It's just another baby. No, it's not just another baby. He's the one you've been waiting for your whole lives. And Simon's like you know, Lion King style, like raises up the baby. Is like, you know, like, God, thank you so much. A light, salvation to all nations, for the Gentiles and for the Jews. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then, then he blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul, which is absolutely true, especially when she thinks, or when the reality is 30 years, 33 years later, she's watching her son die. And then Anna says, "Anna, the prophet. She's a prophetess. Um, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of uh, Phanuel uh, from the tribe of Asher. She was very old, is what the New Living Translation says. She was very old, so she could have been hundred plus. Very well, could have been hundred plus. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Okay, now yours may say like after eighty years or something like that. Okay, so there's debates on exactly how old she was and all that stuff. It doesn't matter." She's at the temple. She's a prophet. She's a prophetess, right? That's amazing. That's really cool. And her husband, she's experienced loss within her life. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She and she came along just as, as Simon uh, was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She's like, hello, he's right here. He's here. This is him. This is the Messiah. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth, 70 miles away in Galilee. There the child grew, grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. And there is... So this is the birth of Jesus. Now, you're, the, the wise men and all that good stuff, when they come in, they, they kind of come into the scene around the time when he's probably like two. He's in the toddler stage, right? That's, that's really what we think um, concerning that. But here's this beautiful story, Jesus showing up on this planet at the right time, at the right place, to the right couple, and the only ones who showed up, shepherds, in a field, and then you got this old man who's waiting. He's like, I, 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 don't, I know I'm not going to die until I see this kid. And then you have a prophetess who sees him and then goes and tells everybody about him. The, the shepherds see him and go and tell everybody about him. The most beautiful story, the, most, the greatest gift to all of mankind um, is one that is most certainly meant to be shared with others. Here's this wonderful gift that, that God has given us, the answer to everything, the answer to everything. And our biggest need was our sin issue. And here he is, Jesus showed up. And the, one of the biggest miracles ever. Some would even argue the incarnation of Christ is a bigger miracle than him raising from the dead. And those are really smart guys. J.I. Packer, brilliant man. He's like, think about it. A perfect, holy God stepping into sinful humanity and he himself being born without sin. That's an amazing miracle through a virgin birth. And she had to be a virgin. She had to be a virgin. It's absolutely central to the story. Absolutely. But here he is. Here's Jesus, no longer the baby, no longer on a cross, no longer in a tomb, seated at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place for you and I just raring to go to come back and to rescue his church. Amazing. The greatest gift that keeps on giving. And it will forever keep on giving. From here throughout all of eternity, Jesus as the greatest gift will remain the greatest gift for you and I forever and ever.
0: Hope to Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Every Good Gift. No, it's not talking about birthday gifts or Christmas gifts. We're actually covering all of the different gifts that God gives to you on a continual basis. God's heart is to bless you and for you to use the gifts that He's given you to bring about blessing and abundance to those around you. Like a parent, God desires to give you an overflow of gifts because He loves you. Have you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it again? Well, you're welcome to do so at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. While you're looking for this message, feel free to explore the other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home or simply want to connect and pray with someone, we would love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Are you interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you'll find that information on our website as well. It would be so great to meet you and to hear how you learned about this ministry. Our time with you is up for today's edition, but we encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about those gifts that God has for you. Join us for some more encouragement, maybe some conviction, and a whole lot of God-inspired wisdom that comes from the Word of God. Open your heart and mind to hear what God has for you right here on Bread for the Broken.